I don't even know if I'm going to do an intro or if I'll just put in the theme song and then we'll just start talking. So let's just start talking. All right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> There's your intro. <laughs> There's the intro. Let's just start talking. In the basement rolling I just finished the season finale of Preacher. I have mixed emotions. How did you feel about the entire season, Taylor? Well, for coming off of the success of The Walking Dead, I look at it as The Walking Dead started off with six episodes, and I think we got, what, nine or ten out of Preacher season one. So overall, I think it was a very good attempt at trying to be faithful but also do the kind of new flavor and twist to bringing a comic book adaptation to life in the season finale. I had some issues with it, especially when I'm sure we'll get to it, but when they brought in the the fake God to talk to the people, it just seemed cheesy. Yeah, I, I kind of agree and I've never read the comics, so I don't know what was, faithful and what was not and maybe if i had some of that background i would i would feel a little bit more by the way if anyone hasn't realized this is going to be a spoiler heavy episode so (laughs) if you haven't watched the full season of preacher if you're not caught up maybe go watch that and then come back and listen or just you know be spoiled whatever you want um I felt like the entire season was a little bit of a slow burn, and I never really got... There was never a big climactic explosion, pun intended, um, (laughs) except for the actual literal explosion in the show, but... I, I don't know how I felt about it. I wasn't hooked... Every single episode, if I wasn't a fan of the comics, I probably would have stopped after episode three. Um, Oftentimes, I felt like there were just gaps and holes in the storytelling. Uh, Last episode or a couple episodes before the finale, they had shown the end scene of the methane electric plant. And that just wasn't a good send-off. It just didn't leave a good taste in my mouth it just was very abrupt and i know we were left guessing what that was but it just it did nothing for me yeah like like a few a few different times during the season we saw the methane plant and then things going wrong or things happening and i was just like what is this what does this have to do with anything and obviously if people have seen the episode, it leads to the giant explosion that pretty much destroys the entire town. And when you start reading the comic books, we are successfully done with issue one now. Issue that, one. That whole season ends with the Saint of Killers or the Cowboy coming after the preacher. That happens at the end of issue one with no other big plot points outside of we see his jesse's dad getting shot by some mysterious 
hand with the same tattoo that's on his back. But other than that, issue one is right where season one ended. So they just hit the road. The stand of killers is on their trail. They're hunting down God. And now we're starting season or issue two, season two. So I hope they pick it up a little bit faster than having one issue go throughout a whole season. Yeah. Well, I remember hearing people talk about it and it was, there was a lot of backstory. Like this is essentially the prologue to issue one. This is the prologue to preacher. Um, is what I read about a few people. And I guess taking that into account, I can understand where you're coming from. But like you said, if I actually had a, a, our buddy John even said, he's like, I haven't watched it past the third episode. And I think he's going to go back and watch it. It's just, again, that, gr- that gripping thing cliffhanger feeling that happens like after every episode of Walking Dead or every episode of Game of Thrones. Um, <laughs> I don't think it was there, but I think it's really hard to do that in your first season. I can see that. And one very big redeeming factor is the actress who plays Tulip is not the same Tulip in the comics, but she does a fantastic job of the tulip for the show and another thing that i think does very well for the show is the soundtrack that they have playing it just makes me feel like i'm in a small dusty texas town a bunch of cowboy hats and big belt buckles rolling around and i just think it blends very nicely with the mood of the story oh yeah um i was gonna say the the the, the music that was playing as everything was happening which was, uh, it was a really awkward gospel type cover of <laughs> No Rain mm-hmm. by Blind Melon for all you youngsters who don't know what that song is. Um, I thought that was amazing. And the soundtrack to this season has really been incredible. I will. And then, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, and then when you had Johnny Cash singing his version of Personal Jesus when they were letting. Carlos go, and for those of you who haven't seen it and are still listening, uh, our two main characters, Jesse and Tulip, kind of exact revenge on someone who wronged them in their past, and right as they're about to beat him to a bloody pulp, you hear Johnny Cash singing Personal Jesus. Which is great. Um, and Johnny Cash is by far one of my all-time favorite musicians uh, pretty much ever. I think he's the greatest American singer-songwriter that we've ever had. Uh, but that's neither here nor there when we talk about Preacher. Um, well, Jesse's the man who dresses in black. This is true. And bringing it full circle. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, like, the entire season, like I said, was just kind of slow for me. I will say until um, last episode, or the second to last episode, where Emily brings in oh. <laughs> Miles the mayor. So catching everyone up to speed, um Cassidy is a vampire and he was he got burned and so he needed animals to stay alive. And so he was kind of recuperating in this bedroom and Emily had kind of been in this awkward relationship with the mayor whereas he wanted to like date her and 
like be her husband, but she was just kind of using him for convenience and I guess sex. So it was great when she calls him over like it's an emergency and then shoves him in the room with Cassidy and then Cassidy just eats him. Um, and I was just, I never saw Emily doing that. It was totally like, I, I could tell that she was annoyed with Miles, but I never <laughs> saw, I never saw her actually like killing him. She, she's the, church organist and nice goody two shoes single mom of three raising her kids right and then all of a sudden oh mayor boyfriend fed to Cassidy Uh, right oh I was just like I was really sad because with the entire town exploding (laughs) you, 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 you really have to like when you put this into perspective it's like there are a lot of kids who just died yeah. It, <laughs> like, and Emily's dead. Her three kids are dead. Everyone at the schools are dead. Like. Well, and I found that interesting how after we found out that no one knows where God is, he might be on Earth, he might not be, uh, how the individuals responded. Emily was talking to her three kids saying, we're still going to be good people. We're still going to do what's right. Uh, just because we don't know where God is or if he doesn't exist anymore, we're still good people. We don't need him anymore. Uh, and then you go from Emily and her kids trying to do right to the two individuals who committed suicide to the little school children girls beating the bus driver uh, who happened to be a pedophile to death or near death. And then you had the brother to the comatose sister taking a selfie of himself while his mom is strangling or suffocating yeah. her daughter. I mean, it's just how would I respond if I found out that God wasn't around or wasn't what I expected? And then poof, town goes up in flames. Yeah, and it's it. It was really that was really interesting. And you got to think to yourself, um, what what do you do in that situation if your faith is rattled in such a way, or even if you don't have a faith, if that is then, you know, confirmed, you know, Mm -hmm. how do you react to what do you do? And then it doesn't really matter because everyone's dead anyway. So one question, the other angel, I forget his name. So is he dead and gone, not regenerating anymore? The bearded one? I think so. I don't know. That that was going to be a question for you. Like, does the cowboy, <laughs> does his gun prevent them from coming back? Well, in the comics, there were three angels initially, and they went and woke up the Saint of Killers right away when Genesis broke out, and one of them gets shot and killed right as they awaken the Saint of Killers. Think of it like Dracula coming out of a coffin, but he's a cowboy and he had his gun, so we shot him. Um, so then they were left with two, and then they play kind of an intermittent story um, supporting character arc. So when we saw the tall, bald, or the tall, baby faced one get off the bus, I think his friend or lover, whoever they were, just, I think he's dead. Get shot in hell, you, you die. Yeah, uh, and that, the, the those two angels were named Fiore and DeBlanc. DeBlanc, yep, yeah, that's right. 
Yeah. Um, that would make sense, because otherwise, then what's the point of killing them? You know? Yeah, and then it'll be interesting to see if that uh, Delphi hierarch angel comes back after we clearly saw how she can keep regenerating and coming back, but getting shot in the chest by the Santa killers. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, that's actually a really good, a really good point. I, I think she's done. Um, I don't think we're going to see her again, but, um, let's talk about what role at least do you see Cassidy playing? Like, He's kind of just this awkward vampire thrown in there. And I love the actor. The actor is brilliant. Let me see if I can find his name. Joseph Gilgan. Mm -hmm. He's so hysterical in this. He's spot on. And I think what we're going to be left with is kind of a jealous love triangle, except Jesse and Tulip are the the complete side of the triangle. And Cassidy's just trying to be his friend, but also super uh, attracted and falling in love with Tulip. And when he looked back in the car and saw Jesse and Tulip kissing, I think that that is going to, the way that scene played out and then them driving off with him sitting awkwardly in the back seat between them with the hurt in his eyes as he turned around to turn away from them kissing, I think that's going to be some internal conflict going on with with those three. Uh, yeah. And Jesse still doesn't know what happened between them earlier when they did their thing. And you mean the had future... sex? They had <laughs> sex, Taylor. Taylor, they had sex. Yes. Thank you, Kenny. <laughs> <laughs> and she didn't enjoy it. She definitely looked bored in that scene. Uh-huh. But, I mean, she did kind of throw him out the window and have to <laughs> take him to the hospital. Yeah. But... Uh, I think he's also going to provide that segue into the supernatural because if you just have a small Texas preacher and his girlfriend who's a complete awesome, just does what she wants, takes life by the horns and just does whatever she calls out God. I mean, that was fantastic. Awesome. But um, if you have them going around with the other supernatural elements, you need something to bridge that gap. And I think that's where Cassidy comes in. With the comic relief and the weird factor, just something that we can accept if we see a demon or um, an actual angelic angel pop in here and there, I think we'll still be reminded that, oh yeah, it's a supernatural-ish show mixed in with some religion and folklore and societal misgivings, and he's going to be that bridge that we're like, oh, it's it's okay to see a horned demon or a meat baby, for instance, just... You know, we can just accept it. Yeah, and he's going to be... He is going to be the source of information when something needs to be explained quickly and briefly to the audience. Yep. Like, oh, you've, you're you a vampire. You And then all of a sudden there's an episode with... I don't Like I said, I don't know. I haven't read the comics, but if there's, like, a different type of angel that he can know about or, like, a werewolf... Um, Although I really hope they don't bring in werewolves. As far, I haven't read every single issue, but as far as I've read, I have not come across a werewolf. Oh, that's good. That makes me happy. No. Uh, but, and let's see. 
So for people who are caught up, then there's Arseface, who is a kid who tried to kill his ex-girlfriend and then tried to kill himself, failed on both counts, and then Je- uh, he's constantly asking for forgiveness from Jesse, and then Jesse sends him to hell, and accidentally. now... Ac- accidentally. <laughs> and And now Jesse is going insane, but seeing him everywhere. So what do we think is going to happen with that? I think that is going to be his moral compass and uh, bridge to the comics, where in the comic books, his imaginary friend is none other than the Duke, John Wayne. And throughout time, when he's having a predicament and doesn't know which way to go or what to do or what's right anymore... Uh, John Wayne pops up and he'll have a conversation with him. So I think our space is going to be that kind of Jiminy Cricket to pop in when he needs some guidance and he'll just kind of pick his brain and then he'll just disappear again. That's, that's my thought process with it. Yeah, I can see that. And I, I mean, I, I also think it's a way to develop, some backstory and also develop Jesse's character. Oh, excuse me. And we'll but, get to see what drives him a little bit more too. Yeah. Like, I will say I'm kind of disappointed with where the season ended up because with the blowing up of the entire town, it's kind of like the entire first season didn't have to have happened. What do you mean? Expand on that. Like, you could have started the series with the three of them in a car just going about whatever it is they're going to go about doing in season two. And you could take care of it with some brief exposition and also some brief flashbacks throughout the next, I don't know, season, two seasons. Like, I really don't think this first season was necessary. I can agree with that. I think it's tough for filmmakers, uh, especially the ones who brought it to life now, um, to jump straight in there when you're not familiar as an audience with the characters. That's why we have so many superhero origin stories and so many different times they start from page one and work their way up. And the audience isn't stupid. The audience can just jump in and pick up on cues. And I think just TV shows in general have become more complex and make the viewer think about it. It's not something where you're just watching an infomercial and it's being fed straight to you. The, the viewers smarter than the filmmakers give them credit for. So I, I agree. I don't think they needed to start with the whole origin of, oh, yes, he's a preacher and now he's got this power and you're introducing this Irish vampire friend and his ex-girlfriend, but kind of girlfriend. So I really do think that you're right. You could have started off with them in the car and then just flashback tell us the story. I mean, they did it with the cowboy in his origin and yeah. that took her to gain momentum too so i kind of liked the way it ended but also it left a bitter sweet taste in my mouth because it seemed like 
an ending to a good movie where they're driving off in the car and that just leaves room for a sequel and that's it. Yeah. I got you. Um, let's talk about Cowboy for a little bit. Is he, was he stuck in like a Groundhog Day type scenario? I think that was his hell that whenever he woke up, he would have to repeat the worst day of his life and then coming back, seeing his daughter and wife dead and then going back and exacting his revenge on who he blames the whole town for making him late, not being there. Um, the preacher in that town shooting his horse, which back then was your livelihood and without a horse, you're pretty much screwed, but he walked all the way back to try and take care of them. Found out they were dead, came back to the town, just let loose. And I think that was because who knows what, if hell exists, what hell is actually like. And for him, that was his hell. And then the angels came and he's like, okay, well, this is new. So he shoots one of them and then. Go ahead. No, no, you were going to say something. I was just going to say, I don't see where his motivation comes from. In the comics, it's more like he's heaven's hitman that like he, he's called the saint of killers. So like the saint of, I'm not too familiar with Catholicism, but you have different saints for different types, like wayward children or the saint of happiness or whatever. So he's the patron saint of killers and he's kind of like heaven's hitman. And so that's why he gets brought in. But I don't see why, what's motivating him to go after the Jesse Custer preacher. Yeah, that's that is a little weird. Maybe it's a maybe it's a deal that heaven strikes with him. If he does this, then he doesn't have to go back to his own hell. Or maybe it's a he just wants a break, like he wants something different. Hmm. I could see that. So, I mean, that could be it. I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm sure they're going to expand on that in the next season but he's pretty much invulnerable his guns never run out of ammo and they always hit where he's aiming so i hope they limit his powers a little bit more in the show yeah that that's a little that's a little superman-y yeah and that's one reason i never got into superman i don't like reading about an all-powerful being because then there's no real struggle i'm 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 torn in trying to bring myself to empathize with Superman or the Santa Killers, but if you're all powerful, then I really can't do that because I'm human and I'm flawed. <laughs> there you go. And that is the truth. Um, me too, man. Me too. <laughs> no. um, all right. Do we, is there anything else we want to say on the first season of Preacher? Or is this just fast, cheap, and easy? Like, you know, it's a quick recap. I think it was a good quick recap. Just for my curiosity, what was your favorite part of the series so far? Oh, I want to say my favorite part of the series so far. Definitely the fight scenes and the gun battle scenes. and the, uh, Those are really awesome. Uh, my, my one favorite scene. Oh, I remember what I wanted to ask you before I do that. Does the Saint of Killers also have a sword? Not to my knowledge. Because 
in he the- didn't at the very beginning to begin with. He might later on, but I don't believe he does. Well, it's like because when he killed the guy who was singing at the end of the last episode, mm-hmm. he sliced his head off. Well, he was in the Confederate Army, and so you know he would have a rapier. And that was, I think, back in the day when he was reliving the day that he actually did that. Okay. When he gets transported to Anvil, I don't think he he's going to have his sword on him. Okay, then we're good there. Now, um, I think that fight scene was amazing. I really love the chemistry between Tulip and Jesse, and then also Jesse and Cassidy. Uh, what's his name? Dominic Cooper. Mm-hmm. He's... He's awesome. Uh, I'm a big fan of his, and I think he did. He did. He's playing preacher really well, and I really like it. I think the casting, at least with the main characters, is completely spot on. Uh, I'd agree with you. My favorite part up until this last episode was the angels v angel v Jesse fight scene in the motel where they keep oh. coming back and just <laughs> fighting on top of all the reincarnations. Um, but. The last episode when Tulip is just full of this anger and revenge and kind of took it out on Carlos but really blames God. And then when they still believe that it's God they're talking to, she just puts him in his place and asks him what's up. Yeah, I just thought that that was – you You see something, Tulip, you go get it. <laughs> For sure. All right. So are you going to be tuning in – and how are you going to be tuning in to season two? Like, are you going to I, watch season two? I will be watching at least the first episode of season two. Okay. Uh, one one thing they touched on, but completely left it just for someone like me who's a comic book fan. Um, at the very beginning or first part of the show, when Tulip is trying to get the location of where Carlos is at, and she gives the map to the lady who gives the lady to a mysterious man in a white suit and white hat um that man's name is hair star and he's he plays a pretty prominent role in being one of jesse's robes gallery villains and i was really disappointed where they just shown him from the back walking out and that was it no other hints to that plot line i'm sure they'll bring it back for season two but it was just Kind of a, here's a glimpse, and we're not going to touch on it ever again. So coming back for season two, I'm going to have to remember, oh, yeah, they did semi-introduce him. And in my mind, I think they didn't go expand on that because they want to cast a legit actor to play him. Didn't know if the season was going to take off or not, but I think they could have done that a little bit better. I can but, yes. Okay. To, to answer your question, I will be tuning in for at least – the first episode, I'll watch that live, depending on how that goes. I might stick around live. I might wait and watch it on demand or hear it through the AMC something more TV site, which I actually do kind of like. But, um, yeah, how about you? Coming back for more? I, I am going to be watching more of it. I will probably watch the first episode that week, like like the day it comes out. And then based on that and based on my feelings towards that, it will depend on if I, like, have to sit down on my couch every Sunday to watch the next episode or if I'll, like, wait until episode four or five is out and then binge watch 
um, the next group and then do it that way. Yep, and if it's going to be as slow as it was the first season, I think binge-watching is going to be the way to go. Um, just a little heads-up of something I'm looking forward to is I know who killed Jesse's dad, and that whole plot line and backstory is a lot more interesting than what we were given. So that's something that's going to keep me coming back for more as long as they keep teasing it and not just put it on the back burner. Ah, excellent. Excellent. Well, I'm going to look forward to that and I will pick up, um, I'll start reading that comic probably sometime this week. Yep. And once you finish that first issue, go back and read my first blog post for Dumbbells and Dragons and see if I was spot on or if you thought different and, yeah. Sounds good, good, man. All right. Um, any shout-outs? Any last words? Anything you want to say to the people out there? If you liked it, good. If not, let us know what you didn't like, and we'll respond. There you go. That's what I like to hear. All right, everyone out there listening, hope you enjoyed this brief recap Preacher Season 1. Um, like Taylor said, let us know if you like it. Let us know if you didn't. Anyways, work out, nerd out, y'all. Thank you for listening to the Dumbbells and Dragons podcast. Please leave us a review on iTunes as well as a rating. We would definitely appreciate it. And while you're at it, follow us on all social media at Dumbbells Dragon. That includes Pinterest, Tumblr, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Periscope, and Snapchat. Until next time, work out, nerd out.